You're listening to Fit Focused Female. We are passionate about health, fitness, and well-being. We want to empower you to make better life choices and offer support and advice for living your best life. Episodes will feature hacks and tips on women's health, complementary therapy, nutrition, and fitness. Please welcome your host, Sharon Morrow. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm delighted to be back for a second series of Fit Focused Female. And for this series of the podcast, we are looking at everything relating to peri to post menopause. So we're a real focus on women's health, women's fitness, and actually everything that goes along with that, everything encompassed in that. So whether it be weight management, we're looking at our hormones and the landscape of our hormones that changes at this part of our life, sleep dysregulation, we'll be interviewing experts just to talk about ways that you can get through menopause and look at how you can improve your health and well-being because you know it is a big focus of it's always the question i hear of you know the middle age spread at menopause and how can we look at reducing it and actually i want to just try and show to you that sometimes the weight side of things shouldn't be the main factor to look at it's actually looking at everything else that's uh, can culminate with that so let's look at other ways that we can prioritize our health and well-being That's what I'll be doing over this series of interviewing experts and just looking at other ways to help you breathe the menopause and help you have a healthy menopause and beyond. So I'm kickstarting this first episode of series two with weight management at menopause because I specifically want to talk to you about ways that you can um, look at your health differently, more proactively, but actually understanding what contributes to weight gain at at menopause or peri to post menopause. So it's interesting to know that perimenopause or symptoms of perimenopause can start to happen from age 36. So I think that's quite young and I was certainly not aware of that into my late 30s. You know, I thought it was something... If I think back to how my mum suffered with menopause or how other female members of my family went through menopause, it was certainly something that I, uh, I, I thought happened much later than what females are experiencing it now. But actually, if you have a change to your menstrual cycle, you know, something that is different, whether you're lighter, whether you're heavier or your uh, menstrual cycle days are longer or, you know, you're going less frequently with periods, then... You, this is a sign that you are going through or are experiencing perimenopausal symptoms. So as with everything that I talk about, knowledge is power. And it's really important that if you know what you're dealing with, if you know what's going on, you've got a little bit more prep, a little bit more of an advantage of knowing how to deal with the changes. So I'm going to talk about something called metabolic syndrome because it does a, it does occur at third age. So I'm going to be talking peri to postmenopause and addressing it as third age, um, just so you know what I mean when I say that. But metabolic syndrome normally occurs because there's a culmination or there's contributing factors of things that change at this part of our life. So if we look at um, clusters of conditions that occur together, that increases your risk of heart disease, stroke and type 2 diabetes. And they can be things like high blood pressure, high blood sugar, high cholesterol, excess abdominal fat. And I you know, may have mentioned before that actually 
it's that feeling of having the middle age spread and not really being able to change that or feeling that you're doing everything possible. You're looking at what you're eating, you're exercising regularly, but you just can't get rid of that excess abdominal fat. And this is, again, it's to do with hormones. But those points that I've just mentioned there, having one of those conditions doesn't mean that you have metabolic syndrome, but it does mean that you have a greater risk of serious disease if you develop any more of those or have two or three of those together. So risks of complications such as type 2 diabetes, heart disease, can just increase if you have a cluster of those occurring together. Now, why does it occur at third age? Why are we getting it at this part of our life? And this is mainly because of declining estrogen. You know, we know that we're having changes where we're stopping producing estrogen within the ovaries. So this results in changes to where our body fat is distributed and stored. And sadly, it tends to favour the abdominal region where it's more metabolically active. So... Declining levels of oestrogen, it's important to know that actually when you start to decline oestrogen, you can still be oestrogen dominant, even though they are lowering. So it's one of these things that you need to just understand what's going on with your own body. And I'll and I'll try and describe the symptoms and describe what's going on so you can think, you know, actually, maybe I fit into this category. Now, androgen dominance, this is certainly something that I'm experiencing. And this is where your hormonal landscape where it switches mainly to testosterone and this becomes the dominating hormone. So you might experience an increase in facial hair or lighter and irregular periods and actually both of those symptoms is what I'm experiencing and I'm 41 and I'm getting these these symptoms and you know I know that possibly I am more androgen dominant than I am with declining estrogen but yes definitely it's something that bothers me most days particularly the increase in facial hair you know there's only so much lasering you can continue to have done but it's just something that I am aware of also poor diet and lifestyle choices you know this is a factor here high carbohydrate intake too much sugar excess alcohol, not enough fibre, and also women probably are moving less at a time when exercise really is non-negotiable. You know, you have to consider that exercise, and it doesn't have to be exercise that you don't like, but you do need to keep moving and you do need to make sure that you are exercising frequently. It's non-negotiable at third age, purely because the risk factors of, like I mentioned earlier with osteoporosis, they're greater. Also, sleep dysregulation. This one is a bit of a biggie because our hormones can interrupt sleep, but also it can affect how your hormones affect are affected um, leptin and ghrelin. So these two hormones are the ones that control your appetite and your hunger. So just to give you some statistics, in a study of over a thousand volunteers, Results showed that shorter sleep durations of five hours per night rather than eight hours per night were associated with 15.5% lower leptin levels and 14.9% higher ghrelin levels. So ghrelin, think of that as your gremlin type hormone. And this is the one that is increased by 14.9. So let's say 15% higher if you sleep for five hours 
rather than eight hours. So your shorter sleep durations are associated with a 15% increase in higher ghrelin levels. And this is this is might or this might be why people experience that they're hungrier or you're feeling hungry in the night or you eat more than what you necessarily need because these levels of appetite hormones are increased. So that's something I found really interesting is because if you've got a good quality sleep, not necessarily, you know, if we look at the duration of the time, but making sure that the quality is is good as well. So you're not continually coming in and out of sleep cycles and waking up and then staying awake for a period of time and then dropping off, looking that you are getting a good quality night's sleep. So it indicates that shortened sleep duration could increase appetite, leading to overconsumption. But also it's that vicious circle of then when you're energyless in the day, you're wanting to reach for something sugary and then you reach for something sugary and then you get that increase of blood sugar releases insulin. So you kind of get this circle and this spiking of hormones all day. So look at ways that you can improve your sleep as well. And I am going to be discussing that in a bit more detail in just a second. Now, stress at third age is a real biggie. Um, Because, again, it's going to be affecting your hormones, particularly adrenaline and cortisol. So chronic elevation of adrenaline and cortisol play a role in the decline of progesterone. So it's known as or it's what's known as the pregnenolone steel. And what that means is your progesterone declines as well as estrogen, but it does so at such a quicker rate. So progesterone is dropping quicker. If you're the kind of person that is stressed or you're busy or you're constantly on the go, you're doing multiple, you know, multitasking, you're doing many things at the same time and you're going from one thing to another and you've got just loads going on in your mind, loads going on in your life. So it's like you've got this chronic elevation of your, sorry, of your adrenaline. And once that starts to be there permanently, you know, and it's not dropping, your body your body starts to change progesterone hormone into cortisol. Now, cortisol is your stress hormone, and we want to savour this hormone. We want to savour progesterone because it decreases so quickly. But if it's then being converted into cortisol to deal with stressful situations, you can see then that actually it's going to be declining even quicker. So look at ways at which you can reduce stress. Now, also, when you're stressed, it increases the desire to consume the sugary foods again. Exactly the same as sleep. You're going to be wanting to feel like you're, you know, you need the energy rush. You need to be able to keep up with this craziness. And often people choose to food energy or high sugar food. And often it's a way of soothing or dealing with the situation as well, isn't it? I mean, I certainly know that when I reach for chocolate, it's to either satisfy a stressful situation or, you know, I certainly have used chocolate before for that because it is one of my favourite things, chocolate. Now, when this happens as well, we have got four times more stress receptors in the core, in the abdominals and around the tummy. So understandably, if you feel that actually nothing's changed in terms of food and how you exercise, but you do feel that you're getting larger around the tummy, think about whether your stress levels have changed. Has your lifestyle changed over the last 10 years? And just look at how or what is going on there, as opposed to just looking at those two factors of food and exercise. 
Because if they haven't changed, it has to be something else that's going on. And I would, and I use this phrase a lot, and I'm going to be using this phrase a lot. But we're looking at ways to control the controllable. You know, you can't, you can help influence the release of hormones by being conscious of your lifestyle, and that's the quickest way that you can control um, what's going on. So yes, controlling the controllables, broken it down into five little categories. So we're looking at mindfulness, activity, sleep, nutrition and stress. So as I mentioned at the beginning, there is more to this to just standing on the scales and wanting that number to be lower. This at this part of your life, it's time to focus on self-care, lifestyle factors and look at how you can reduce the risks associated with menopause. So let's look at mindfulness. This is probably one of the best times to start a meditation practice because it helps manage your mind and it helps control the monkey mind. Now, I don't know whether you've ever heard of the monkey mind, but there is a book called The Chimp Paradox and it's written by a a guy called Professor Steve Peters. So he's written this book called The Chimp Paradox and he basically talks about your brain being split into two and you've got like your logical brain and you've got your emotional brain. Now, logical brain is logical thinking. Um, Emotional brain is where it refers to it as the chimp because the emotional brain is five times stronger than logical brain. So it's important to know that actually being able to completely control it is going to be exhausting because it's very strong but we want to be looking ways that we can manage it rather than trying to control it so it's managing the emotional brain and the best way of doing this is to you can start a meditation practice and it but with that you need to really commit to it because doing it once isn't really going to do anything it's a bit like going to the gym once you know you're not going to see any results by going to the gym once but you will over a period of time. It's exactly the same with meditation. Doing it frequently and doing it every day is going to give you more rewards in the long run of being able to handle stressful situations, think clearly, and just be able to function a lot better. So if you feel like you're a busy person and you don't have time to meditate because you're so busy, that's exactly the reason why you need to. You know, if you can't find five minutes in your day to meditate, ideally, you probably need an hour. So think of ways that you can put this in. And I would say if you're a busy person, the best thing to do is do it first thing in the morning. Because not only is it going to then be done, but it also sets your day. You know, think of what you do when you get out of bed. Are you getting out of bed and going straight into work mode, checking your phone, looking at emails? And instantly, you know, I feel... I feel stressed just thinking about that. Or are you getting up and thinking, you know what, I'm just going to take five minutes to clear my mind, to be more calmer and to actually wake up in a more uh, calming environment so I can deal better with the things that occur throughout the day. So just five minutes in the morning is perfect. If you are the kind of person that struggles to get off to sleep at night, then again, meditation is perfect here. You know, look at your bedtime routine. What what are you doing before bed? What are you watching on the telly? What are you do are you looking at is there too much screen time? Are you watching violent films or things that are stressful? Look at what's going on in an evening. 
you know, is it caught, is it creating you or is it forcing you to choose things like snacking on sugary, sugary things? Because again, that's going to interrupt sleep. So just take a look at what is going on in an evening. So the next one we'll look at, the next factor of mindfulness, sorry, not mindfulness, the next factor of controlling the controllables is stress. So think of what gives you stress in your life and what can you remove. So whether that be people, places, things, anything that causes you anxiety and panic that you can remove, remove it. You know, obviously, if it's people and you live with them, that's slightly different. But maybe some looking at ways to communicate could be helpful or certainly people that cause you cause you that anxiety but actually you don't you can function without them then just take them out of your life and it doesn't mean just <laughs> never talking to the get to, the, to them again just removing them but you can distance yourself you know you don't have to be horrible about it. you don't have to send them a text and say i'm not speaking to you ever again but you can start to distance yourself and start to have less contact with that person and you'll be surprised at the difference that makes or also consider if this per- person or people that are causing you upset Think of like, um, and and if you can't remove them from your life, normally hurt people hurt people. So if there's someone in particular that is hurting you or causing you hurt, it's normally because they've been hurt. So if you start to see them differently and start to see them with a bit more compassion and start, start to send out love, it does start to change how they respond to you. So that's just another way of dealing with people. Learn to manage your time and prioritise yourself and commit to self-care. Because like I said, with the mindfulness, doing it once isn't enough. It has to be frequent. It has to be your priority of committing to your self-care. Because if you don't look after you, who will? And that's a question I ask many people. If you're not looking after you, who is going to look after you? Or, Or would you want anyone to look after you? Do you, would you rather look after yourself? Think of it like that. It's not about being selfish. It's just, it's about serving yourself so that you can function better. You can offer more to your family. You know, if you're well, if you're unwell, can you look after your family how you want to? Probably not. Nutrition. So studies show that the healthiest food to consume, peri to post menopause, is mostly organic and Mediterranean. So think of eating lots of fruit and vegetables, plenty of oily fish, mainly fish and chicken rather than red meat. And if you are eating meat, make sure it's well sourced, you know, so that it's not factory farmed. It's well sourced, maybe from a butcher so that you know that the quality of the meat is going to be better. And there's going to be reducing the toxic or reducing your toxic load just by by doing that itself. So more fibre and good fats so we want to be looking at seeds and it's really easy to add seeds onto your diet sesame seeds on the salad pumpkin seeds in a smoothie or on a yogurt good fats is your oily fish avocados coconut oil and um i've said seeds but nuts as well think of drinking plenty of water and consuming less alcohol and also less caffeine I mean, it's okay to have caffeine, but think of how many caffeinated beverages that you're having a day. Are you having the caffeine to function to get through the day? Or are you having it just because you enjoy it and it's what you do in the morning is just to get up and you like a nice coffee? That's certainly where I'm coming from with it. 
But on top of that, making sure that you drink plenty of water as well, staying fully hydrated. So sleep, let's just talk back to our go back to our sleep routine because changing your evening routine to get a better night's sleep is probably one of the easiest things you can do. And I've mentioned before the blue light from devices, you know, the, uh, the, the glowing light from a screen. Can you adjust your phone to put, it's called night mode, I think it is, on the iPhone. So can you put night mode on or can you put a different mode on the, so there's not so much glare or blue light because that can interrupt the release of melatonin. So if we look at changing this about two hours before you go to bed, it will make a difference to the quality of your sleep. Also, if you feel that you're waking in the night, you know, what What could you do? Well, what, what are you thinking that you're waking from? Is it because you are worried or stressed about something? Therefore, maybe doing a list before bed of the three things you can do the following day so that you're not going to bed thinking about these things, going, oh my gosh, I've got to do this or I've got to do that, that actually you've written it down. You think, I, I won't forget it because I've written it down and I can deal with that tomorrow. Or again, things that you're watching on TV, you know, could it be that you change your bedtime routine? So instead of watching TV, you could listen to some relaxing music or you could read a book, like a physical book, rather than from a blue light from a screen. And also with sleep, I would say being aware of why you're waking up. You know, are you waking up, like I said, because you're stressed or do you think it's something else hormone related, like you're having a hot flush? Either way, I'm going to be talking about that through the other parts of the podcast. We're going to be looking at each topic separately. And then finally, exercise. I've said it before, it is non-negotiable at third age because there are so many risk factors for females that tend to go unnoticed. Because our symptoms are different to men's if we're having heart attack or anything you know like stroke or anything at all relating to heart disease our symptoms are different and often mistaken for less important or that's probably not the word important but less severe so often it can be mistaken maybe for a backache or for flu-like symptoms or something that is that we could you know we just generally just say it's it we're just generally feeling unwell so it's important to know to stay active and to stay strong Um, mind body soul so one of the most effective exercises you can do is HIIT training so this is high intensity interval training and it provides 28% greater reductions in absolute fat mass compared to moderate intensity continuous exercise so if you think of moderate intensity continuous exercise as for example going for a run or being steady state cardio on a bike I mean, they're all great. It's good because you're active, but actually we definitely we, we need to put something else in there to raise the heart rate up. And this is where high intensity comes in because you can do something high intense for 30 seconds and then take the recovery and then do it again, which is also a benefit if you're short on time because you only need to do this for 20 to 30 minutes. You're getting that high intensity exercise. It's increasing your heart rate and also your recovery weight rate. So interestingly, even though it's high intensity, it's important to know it doesn't necessarily have to be high impact. So I'm not talking about doing burpees for 30 minutes. We're basically looking at ways that you can increase your heart rate. We can make exercise a higher intensity for a shorter duration with with breaks in between. 
And this is one of the quickest ways that you can control body fat and you can make sure that you're staying within a correct weight weight for um, being healthy. Also, you must include strength training because muscles are related to metabolism. You know, we need to keep the body metabolically active. So we've got to do strength training, weight bearing, you know, lifting your body weight or resistance bands, yoga, anything or Pilates even, that's strength based. Anything where you are using using some force and you're making your muscles work. Now, studies show that yoga and Pilates at menopause, peri to post menopause have huge benefit to bone density, lower back pain, menopausal symptoms. So there's just two ways that you can get some exercise in. And actually, you know how you can vary your exercise in the week. You can do some HIIT training one day. You can go out and have your... Um, your steady state cardio, do some strength training on another day, yoga and Pilates because you've got the bone density or the improvements to bone density and the reduce, reduction of menopausal symptoms. But actually don't forget to include some restorative exercise. You know, just going for a walk and being in nature, that's just so much nicer for the brain. As Well, it's good for the brain as opposed to just going out and pummeling yourself into the ground restorative exercise in the summer you get and i loved doing this in the summer barefoot it's called earthing or grounding which is like barefoot walking it's just the negative charge from the earth up into the body into the feet it's just fantastic it's really good for mental health and well-being as well so i know there's quite a lot of information here so I'm just going to give you a quick conclusion just because, and I'll put this on the, in the show notes as well, but basically looking at what we've spoken about today, we want to be looking at prioritising self-care. So look at the triggers and root causes of what is debilitating to you or what causes you stress or what causes you, um, you know, to have a lifestyle that you don't want. Let's just address the root causes and, and the triggers. You know, is it... Is it emotions? Is it your job? Is it your situation? Is it anything that you can control? Exercise, it's non-negotiable. So think of moving with gratitude and integrity. You know, don't be scared to change things up. If you've always the kind of person that's just gone to the gym and done half an hour and you're bored with it, change it up, do something else. Hire a personal trainer or, you know, use an app. Just do something different if you're finding that you're struggling with exercise or even just understanding, are you the kind of person that, are you a social exerciser? You know, do you like to do it with somebody else? Is it more challenging to do it on your own? Think about what what is what works for you and how you, how you get off on it, really. Reduce your toxic load. Oh, this is a biggie for me. Personal hygiene, exposure to chemicals, because this is a huge disruptor, disruptor to the endocrine system, so hormonal system. I'm going to be doing a podcast all on its own on that because that is a biggie. Gut health. We want to be keeping the gut healthy, adding fibre, drink more water, try to reduce inflammation. So cutting down on refined sugar. You know, how much refined sugar are you eating in a day? And then think of redesigning your life. Add more nature. Go shoeless. Think of brain workouts all little different things that you're doing consistently to make a difference. And finally, take control. 
you know, get away to the next half of your life. It's not the end. It's the beginning. It's a change. But don't fear that change. Just take control and understand that it is going to be different, but it's, it's it might even be better. It could be better than what you got at the minute. So I'm going to leave you with that there. Thank you for tuning in and I'll see you on the next episode. You've been listening to Fit Focused Female with Sharon Morrow. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Join the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at Fit Focused Female.